From Swoop, it's Take the Plunge, a podcast about how business owners decided to stop what they were doing and took the plunge to start their own business. We take a look at how they came to that decision and what those first crucial steps were in getting their business up and running. Here's what you can expect on today's episode. Really you know, enjoyed what I was doing. Some was operating, some was consulting, but something just felt off in terms of what uh, I was bringing from a purpose to the world. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Jim Barnish, founder of Orchid Black. Orchid Black is a boutique advisory of former CEOs, CROs, CMOs, strategy execs, and board members. They partner with tech forward companies to build smarter, better, game-changing businesses. Orchid Black ensures clients hit bigger milestones and see greater returns faster. You're very, very welcome, Jim. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Kieran. Thanks. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to take you back to the beginning or just before the beginning, so to speak. And if you could let me know what you were doing before kicking off Orca Black and why you decided to stop what you were doing. Yeah, absolutely. My uh, my plunge is um, <laughs> probably uh, reminisces with a lot of people in the way that the, it's evolved. But ultimately, my, my journey, if you will, started in my family business at the age of 15. And like all family businesses, we trusted only the family with the business because <laughs> that's what you do when you don't know better. Um, as as we grew and as my role evolved in the company, yeah, I really started to take a, a new sense of ownership around growth. Um, and, you know, that's organic growth, M&A growth, really all things that, that relate to, you know, growth and, and building a business. Um, and started working with a number of other technology companies really you know enjoyed what i was doing some was operating some was consulting but something just felt off in terms of what uh i was bringing from a purpose to the world it felt like i was helping one company at a time and and it was great and we were building and we were exiting and we were doing all sorts of fun stuff that you do when you're operating companies um but it felt it felt like something was missing I, uh, I made the plunge into big consulting uh, for about six weeks at at McKinsey, <laughs> which uh, I don't think might be one of the you like you shortest, loved it. <laughs> the shortest lived McKinsey stints that there is. Um, but you know, especially having it been my dream job, my dream career, um, I, it just wasn't again what I what wasn't as fulfilling as I was hoping that it would be. And I, I got the opportunity to work with a venture capital firm here locally in in Florida that um, is now actually the most active VC in the state of Florida, but at the time was just a bunch of angel investors that were looking to create a fund and do something great with technology companies uh, in the state of Florida. And um, ultimately, you know, that's where I kind of hit my stride, you know, what I would consider uh, Ikigai, if you will, where what I love and what I'm great at and the impact that I could have on the world really all aligned to, to make me truly happy. But the the uh, ingredient around companies we were investing in, right, the best companies, the A or A plus companies, felt like there was a missing gap in the market, if you will, um, around the companies that were maybe the B or B plus that might not have been, you know, venture ready, if you will, but had a ton of opportunity within them. And that's really where the genesis for Orchid Black came from, which is really helping companies that have a ton of really raw material or meeting some of their goals, maybe not others, 
aren't necessarily venture backed or private equity backed, but are between a couple million and, and 50 million in annual revenue technology companies that just need a little bit of unlocked value creation, if you will, the companies that have this level of opportunity that might not be 100x as it is looked at in the venture world, but could be five or 10x if they have the right missing pieces that are plugged alongside of them. And that's that's really what we provide. We, we provide uh, a methodology towards growing companies um, and exiting companies. Uh, we provide a team that helps augment existing team members uh, that have all a history of exits and, um, and operating. And we do that in a really unique business model that is pretty special to us, which is fully aligned with performance, bringing these operators and this methodology to the table and taking most of our fees as whether it be equity or percentage of sales, something along those lines that really aligns our incentive um, with company performance. So really kind of an interesting journey from, <laughs> you know, big companies for family businesses, big companies uh, operating and consulting, and then ultimately um, venture capital and all of it just kind of coalesced into being what, what Orchid Black is today. So yeah, as, as you say, having had the experience uh, of uh, working in family business, all but briefly in uh, management consultancy, and then finally in, in the VC world, what did you? What was it then? You've obviously decided to set up Work of Black, and what were the first couple of months involved in terms of getting yourself operational? What were the first things you did? Uh, did you look yeah. to bring in people straight away, or kind of how how did you start to build up the business? Yeah, I was fortunate enough to have a co-founder that I had worked with for about a decade um, that you know, I'd been building companies with all along, and we augmented each other very well and always have and. Um, you know, he, uh, Steven is his name. He's been, um, a godsend in a lot of ways in building kind of the early days of the business. And so I was lucky to have that partner as we kind of evolved as a business, we've had to obviously bring in uh, a lot of talent around us to, to augment those gaps. But in the early days, didn't have all the cash to bring in as much talent as we thought we needed or thought we wanted. <laughs> um, and our business model is very unique in that we don't, you know, we take some cash for our services, but the majority of our compensation is on the upside when companies exit, right? And so um, there was a lot of capital investment that we had to make into the business. There was a, a feeling of, can we really do this? That came up a lot during the first year or two. And there was a feeling of, I would say, what I would call founder burnout. <laughs> that is all too real, um, that people don't admit to enough because we're human, not superhuman. And uh, ultimately, I, it came up with a lot of different ways, a system of my own to get to get past those things and to you know, make sure that I realized what I set out to do, which was build something great and had a partner in crime to do that. So despite a ton of challenges along the way, um, here we are. <laughs> yeah, and just, I suppose touching on that bit in terms of your unique uh, business model for your, for your industry, obviously you need to get a shit ton of cash at the beginning to deploy into those businesses and you're starting off from a reputation of base zero because what have Worker Black ever done before for a business at this point in time. Yeah. How difficult was that getting that first kind of LP or first investor to, to part with their cash into, into the fund? Yeah, I mean, um, not every one of the companies we work with needs capital because of so that that's that's one starting point that's helpful. 
The second one is we all have a history of, of growing companies and exiting them individually. Every person in the firm has at least 20 plus years of experience in growing and exiting technology companies. And so there is a individual reputation, if you will, that um, was very referral driven rather than marketing driven, if you will, that uh, we you know, had, to, had to focus on, get a bunch of proof points, get some use cases, get some exits as a firm. But it, it wasn't easy, that's for damn sure, right? It's, it's, uh, it's getting people to part with cash and getting people to you know, buy into a company philosophy is not the same as, as it is when you've got a reputation already in place, or even when you've already got an individual reputation, building a company reputation is, is equally important. So it's, um, it was uh, definitely some, some tough times along the way. And in terms of kind of identifying the businesses that you, you wanted to work with, obviously you touched on earlier on uh, this methodology of the, the Bs or the B pluses that sit underneath the kind of potential BMOT VCs that are, that are looking for these kind of 100Xers. Were you looking at a kind of sector agnostic or are you being quite focused in terms of the type of business from, from the get-go or has that evolved down through the years? It's definitely evolved. When when I started the business, um, the first evolution was called Startup Solutions, not Orchid Black, and we took all equity. and It was it was only companies that had gotten rejected from venture capital, if you will, um, really early stage, seed stage, and early A Series A companies, if you will. And that that evolution has kind of you know looked like a number of things. Number one, focus and and our harnessing of our ICP or our ideal client profile, if you will, which is a little bit more uh, revenue. Part of it's that they've got to be in the black or at least line of sight towards being in the black or profitable, um, which is where part of the name comes from. And and part of it is they've got to have at least $3 million in revenue, um, some stable foundational revenue, if you will, with hints of you know, product market fit, even if they haven't fully hit product market fit. So I think... Um, you know, the idea around starting with the thought of venture backed or, you know, venture rejected, I guess, if you will, to, you know, folks that have bootstrapped for sometimes even 10 or 20 years, that persona that we serve evolved from the 25 or 35 year old founder to really a 45 or 60 year old founder who's gotten stuck and is look, looking to unlock their growth. Now, that doesn't mean we won't work with younger founders. What it means is, it typically the companies we're working with have really hit some roadblocks um, around growth, but have built a great business for the last ten plus years. It's not the you know brand new right IoT startup that everyone's in love with on the VC side. So it's just it's a little bit different of a philosophy. It's definitely evolved a lot over time, and with that the brand has evolved into Orchid Black, which is kind of what you see before you now, which is really focused on. You know, finding that rare breed of orchid, which is a very rare flower, <laughs> that can grow to over a hundred, up to a hundred years when tended to properly. So the you know the name really resonates with what we're building as well. And 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 at what point in time did you have that kind of evolution from uh, the original kind of startup name into becoming Orca Black, so to speak? It was a few evolutions. The first was from Startup Solutions to Morgan Hill Partners, which was a brand that was chosen largely of just aggregating a few acquisitions together. But that was a dodgy old, you know, attorney sounding brand, if you will. Uh, and that's not what we wanted to bring to the market. So we did a strategic rebrand about a year ago 
to Orchid Black. Um, and uh, given that we serve really innovative founders, it was uh, it was a very market-driven exercise, if you will, versus just picking a name like we had done previously. Nice. And curious, kind of about your own kind of scaling or growing because uh, I imagine a lot of what you're doing is advising businesses to deal with growing pains and how you adapt to scale and how you change your processes so you as a business what have you noticed in terms of how you transact how you work as a team how has that changed as you've grown over the last couple of years yeah it's interesting because our our teams as a whole individually kind of catalyzed over a hundred transactions, over 45 billion in value creation, if you will. So taking those types of folks and bringing it into a startup, if you will, which is essentially what we did, <laughs> is really uh, difficult. And we had a lot of lessons learned of not just bringing in people who've been there, done that, but people who are also ready to keep going and be really hands-on. And, and, and that's really hard to find. <laughs> is people that can work as a team that have a bunch of exits and don't really need to work for money and ultimately um, can have a level of humility and intellectual honesty with themselves about what they're great at and what they want to do going forward that uh, allows them to work with companies at the growth stage because it is very hands-on. And so, um, you know, we've got a process where we first identify the amount of value that's unlocked, if you will, in the business and in the market that's, that could be served. If we can see a path forward towards creating at least 50% in increase in valuation per year over the next up to three years before exit, we will take those folks on as a client. And so it's a very specific process, very niche, very boutique. We can only take on so many at a time and it's very unique to us. But um, finding the right talent that matches up with that has become our biggest, you know, our biggest obstacle towards fast growth, if you will, um, which is why we really abide by the grow smart and grow fast, but grow smart first. And I'm just going back and can say your own internal team, you've touched on obviously you're bringing in a lot of ex-founders, potentially people who've exited. Um, mm -hmm. I can imagine some big personalities in there. Um, how do you get them to, to gel as a team? And as you say, uh, talk when it's their skill set being asked about or uh, maybe step back a minute while someone else is, is, is giving advice. Is that, is that a difficult task to try and manage that or how have you managed it? It can, it can be. We're lucky enough to have a pretty boutique small team in, in about you know, 30 or so people, um, now almost 35, but that is about half senior partners, about half you know, really boots on the ground, analysts and associate and, and our future leaders, if you will, our future partners. And um, so I think, you know, they're the glue that holds that together, our associate and analyst team. But we do a lot of team building on the accounts to make sure that there's a level of a level of, of teamwork beyond what's currently in place at the company, number one, because alignment is always an issue um, with most of the companies that aren't growing, executive alignment um, or vision alignment, strategy alignment, whatever we want to call it. Finding the team to augment with their team is actually the most difficult part of it rather than just our team working together. It's, it's, there's a behavioral aspect, there's a cultural aspect, and then there's obviously the functional and industry aspect as well. So it's got to be a really perfect fit for us to get engaged because we've got a very big value proposition and we're not going to let any companies down.
I suppose in terms of like not letting companies down and I mean discovering companies just intrigued to see how you found the, the last year I don't know whether you guys are just US focused or you look from an international perspective obviously uh, as you mentioned you're based in the state of Florida you guys have been a bit it's probably been easier in that state other than say other states that may have had more restrictive lockdown measures but has that affected you over the last year in terms of how you get out to clients or engage with clients how have you, how have you found it yeah, I mean, it's uh, it would be it would be crazy to say it hasn't affected us in any way. Um, in fact, it'd be crazy, I think, for anyone to say that. <laughs> what I would say is, at the beginning of lockdown, you know, we had a really big exit that was going to be awesome and game changing for us and for the company. Um, it was to a publicly traded company, and that publicly traded company lost about eighty percent of its value um, within a week, based on the you know slew of market activities and general COVID philosophy that was being, you know, kind of driven and market uncertainty, if you will. Um, and that transaction fell through, that exit fell through, um, which was a big loss for both the company and us, you know, navigated the way towards an exit eventually, but a year plus later, um, for a lesser amount that wasn't as meaningful for either of us, but was still pretty, pretty great. Um, just given, you know, what had happened to that company post COVID. Now that being said, since then, right, since that um, that really big exit loss, if you will, we have grown year over year um, from last year to the year before, um, you know, a, a decent amount, about 25%. But this year, we're actually uh, slotted to be about three to four x of where we were last year, and so we're we're definitely kicking on all cylinders now. Nice. So I suppose if you're if you're on the trajectory for three to four X, what is it then you're 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 thinking in terms of the next step stages for Orca Black to, to I suppose capitalize on that kind of growth you're experiencing right now? Yeah, so we uh, we got in this business to serve and, and help founders unlock value in their business, which is what we're doing. What we want to keep doing is reinvesting our proceeds back into the business to do more of the same, right? To help more founders, provided we can keep up with the right talent on our end, which again is you know my the thing that keeps me up at night is making sure we've got all the right people in place to meet that value proposition. Um, but that's you know that's really what what's the path forward for us is doing more of the same thing and continuing with the value proposition that we set out to do, which is helping founders grow and exit. And in terms of kind of like the skill sets that you're kind of been looking for over the last year relative to what you were doing when you started out, how has that changed? Are you looking for a different type of people and kind of what are the, the skills or the talent that you guys need now that you didn't necessarily need at the beginning? Yeah, it's, it's definitely evolved a bit. I mean, we are entirely focused on SaaS as about 90%, software as a service is about 90% of our business or some version of cloud, um, if you will whether that's infrastructure as a service platform or software. Um, the other 10% is something that's more tech enabled or really innovation focused, um, could be a tech enabled service, but more likely, you know, something like IOT or, you know, higher technology. So the, the, uh, focus is on folks that have done great things within that, within that world. We've got one branch, which is a commercialization or revenue enhancement practice. Another, which is focused on cost optimization and capital optimization. And then another that's focused on the M&A and investment side of things. So folks in each of those groups um, are you know, what we're looking for. Oh, and finally, product-led growth and product market fit folks. So if you kind of take a look at all four of those different um, 
aspects of a partner, right? Someone revenue, revenue side of the ball, product, M&A slash investment, and general operations and, and optimization. We're looking for people that have had at least an, one exit who have been a consultant, an operator, and an entrepreneur at some point throughout their journey. And in most cases are operating as a solo consultant slash operator for hire right now, working with the same types of companies that we serve, which are technology companies between 3 million and 50 million in revenue at their gross stage. So we're looking for more of the same. Um, it's, a, you know, it's, a, it's a big requirement for us that you've got at least 15 years of experience, 20 is, is preferred. Um, and that you've got kind of those core capabilities that I, uh, that I went through. And I suppose finally to touch on, in terms of kind of where are you seeing kind of any interesting trends in terms of, hey, you're, you're, you're looking in the, the SaaS space, but it's, it's ever changing in terms of the types of technology that are being created there. Is there any interesting trends that you're kind of observing uh, uh, recently where exciting kind of companies are coming out from or you're unearthing more traditional companies in that space that are adapting uh, more kind of SaaS-based technologies? Yeah, I think uh, we're seeing a lot of interesting trends, some on the investment side, some on the operating side. On, on the investment side, I mean, multiples right now are, are higher than they've been in <laughs> it, un unbelievably high multiples, especially given the market uncertainty that is probably going to be experienced here shortly. So I would say the idea around trends that we're really heavy on is making sure folks focus on transferable value to a potential acquirer or investor rather than you know a multiple of revenue or a multiple of EBITDA because that's not truly how companies are valued um, it's part of it but it's not the uh, the be-all end-all it's about you know where that where your company is going to land from an investment or acquisition standpoint and what that value is worth to whomever is buying it right and so that focus that connection point is really important especially as valuations are going to be on the downturn in, in the near future from a market perspective. Now, from a from an operating perspective, we're seeing a lot of uh, a lot of M&A activity that is going to be kind of hitting the market here, right? There's a there's a there's a change in in the guard from both family businesses and general operations where there's a lot of businesses that are looking to exit their business. There's a lot of businesses that don't really understand how to do that and um, how to really drive value into the business. And so we love that because that's what we do <laughs> for a living. But it, the, I think the trend around that is with technology advancing at a curve much higher than, much, much more exponential than the rate that humans are able to change. Um, we're seeing a lot of new companies. We're seeing a lot more companies not necessarily fail, but struggle for, for growth. And um, as you, when you combine that with the M&A or soon to be M&A landscape, there's going to be some really interesting um, catalysts, I think, that happen over the next decade. Awesome. Uh, well, I'd probably finish it there. Um, thank you so much, Jim, for coming on and sharing your story, uh, both in terms of your background, how Black Orchid has evolved, uh, now in its third genesis, so to speak. Uh, and we uh, at Swoop wish you all the best in terms of all your activity and, and great to hear about the recent growth and what that is impacting in terms of new founders coming and getting that black worker treatment. Uh, so thanks a mil, Jim, and uh, wishing you all the best for black worker in the future. Thanks a bunch, Gary.